Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Thursday, April the 15th. I'm Richard Woolley, editor in Reorg's London office, and this week I'm going to speak to financial analyst Rob Summers about Africa-focused upstream energy company Tullo. But first we're going to hear from primary reporter Beatrice Mavrolian about what has been a busy few weeks for high-yield bonds and leverage loans. So there's been a flurry of deals coming to the market this week as issuers seek to take advantage of investors' demand for paper. Among these have been a few credits with difficult histories, demonstrating that demand from investors is sufficiently strong to accept them. One example is Flyderer, which is a German construction material company, which was restructured in 2012 and has come to the primary market with a 750 million euro note issuance, which investors have highlighted as difficult because of high leverage and the distribution that's being made to the sponsor. Reorg's legal analysis of the issuance highlights that the note's one-time portability clause is immediately available given that net leverage is at 4.9 times, and investors have complained that this means that the sponsor may choose to sell the company at any point after issuance. Another issuer with a difficult difficult past is methacrylate supplier Rome, which is marketing a 977 million euro term loan B due in 2026 to refinance its existing euro facility with the same maturity. This issuer sold its euro and dollar loan tranches at OIDs of 89.5 for the euros and 86.5 for the dollars in February last year. These were the remaining portions of the facilities that it struggled to sell in June 2019 when investors expressed concern over the cyclical nature of the specialty chemicals industry, as well as a number of aggressive covenants included in the loan documentation. Now the methacrylates market seems to have bottomed out. Rome's first quarter performance was reassuring and the company is set to benefit from from competitor Mitsubishi closing its US plant. So investors seem more positive in relation to the credit. Okay, and are you seeing any trends in the use of proceeds for the various pieces of debt being raised at the moment? The majority this week seem to be um, uh, refinancings and repricings. Uh, This week, there are a couple of LBOs in the market, specifically for German footwear retailer Birkenstock, for healthcare groups Cooper and Ameos, and for Portuguese plastic bottle manufacturer Logoplast, as well as acquisition financing being raised by pharmaceutical group Jazz. But the other 11 11 deals in the market are all refinancings and and repricings. Right. Uh, And what kind of reaction have the current set of deals in the market had from investors? So some of the deals that have come to market have been re, uh, pre-marketed so that they can build up investor support b- before being syndicated to the wider market. And that signals a lack of confidence from issuers and the arranging banks about these deals. Additionally, um, late, earlier this month, uh, a number of new debt issuances had margins that widened during syndication in opposition to the trend over recent weeks. For example, UK life sciences company LGC priced its 330 million euro loan tranche at Eurobor plus 375 basis points with its um, 300 million dollar tranche with a margin of LIBOR plus 375 basis points. This compares with price talk, which was originally at uh, Eurobor plus 325 uh, to 350 on the euros and LIBOR plus 350 on the dollars. The deadline for commitments was also changed to April 6th from April 1st, as investors were given more time to consider the deal. Around that same time, the dollar tranche of French technology company Edemia's 1.981 billion um, equivalent first lien term loan was also downsized to a minimum 
of 625 million from uh, 731.5 million dollars with OID guidance widening to 99 from from 99.5 and pricing for the uh, 1.385 billion euro tranche for the company's loan widened to Eurobor plus 450. UK glass repair and replacement company Belron also widened pricing for its 1.62 billion dollar term loan B tranche to LIBOR plus 275 basis points from LIBOR plus, plus 250 previously with a wider 99 OID. Final pricing for the company's 840 million euro term loan B also widened to Eurobor plus 275 from 250 before. And there was also German retailer Douglas, another credit that has struggled operationally, which cut the size of its five-year senior secured note issuance to 1.305 billion euros from 1.33 billion before. Um, with pricing at 6% compared with a 5.5 coupon previously, while also downsizing its first lien term loan from 1.08 billion to 600 million. Now, Reorg's been writing about Tullow Oil since 2015, but we've seen a flurry of stories recently. So I caught up with Rob Summers to find out what makes the situation particularly topical at the moment. Hi, Richard. For those unfamiliar with the situation, Tullow has been under pressure since late 2019 when it downgraded forward production guidance and senior executives resigned. This was compounded by the collapse in oil prices in early 2020. While the group's bonds fell to distressed levels, there were no immediate triggers to a restructuring bar liquidity crunch, and all eyes have been on Tullow's bond maturities, which are now fast approaching. Specifically, Tullow has $300 million of convertible bonds maturing this July, and 650 million of unsecured notes that come due next April. It also has 800 million of unsecured notes that mature in 2025 and an RBL facility. It's crucial to the company that the RBL lenders remain on site to provide liquidity, and so far they've consistently agreed to new capacity as part of the redetermination process, and they've also consistently waived covenant breaches. And you've been following the credit for a, a while now. What's your read on how the situation's gonna play out? Last summer, there were real questions about the sustainability of Tullow's capital structure, with the July 2021 convertible maturity serving to focus minds on the necessity of a restructuring. However, since then, Tullow has sold assets and benefited from a rebound in oil prices. As of December 31, it had close to $700 million of unrestricted cash, up from about $140 million on June 30th. This is also before $90 million from the sale of the group's assets in Equatorial Guinea. Now, management has said that it will use the asset sale proceeds to pay down debt, but the question is how it will do this. In particular, while it has enough cash to pay down its 2021 notes, doing so might frustrate 2022 note holders who will not want to see value leaving the group and who themselves are due a principal repayment in 12 months. A few months ago, I expected any deal to involve the 21s. However, we're now less than three months to maturity, and it's difficult to envisage a situation where the 21 note holders will accept anything other than being paid back at par in July. So the question is what will happen to the 2022 notes? Well, we know the company has been in discussions with the 22, so one possibility is that they agree to exchange their notes for new paper. Alternatively, Tullow may just refinance the 22s in the primary market, which has been receptive to relatively risky credits. Okay, how do you think the 2022s are gonna react? And uh, what about the rest of the capital structure? It does seem as though the company has been dragging this process out in such a way that it has no choice but to pay down the 21s as the clock will soon run out. Further, compared to six months ago, it has much more leverage vis-a-vis the 22s with the improved macro environment. 
However, the 22s, many of whom form the natural investor base for any refinancing, will likely require extra protection. In particular, for any new or extended bond that matures after the 25s, they will require collateral to ensure that they rank ahead of the unsecured 2025 notes. Another factor to consider is that the group will likely pay down some of the 22 notes with its excess liquidity. The 25s mature far enough in the future that there is no immediate need to do anything with them. However, the wild card is cross holdings as a material number of 2022 note holders also own the 25s, and they may be reluctant to agree to a deal if it impairs the value of their 25 notes. The other variable relates to the RBL facility. This is crucial for the company, and it is important that lenders remain on side. They will therefore need to approve any deal and will not want to give up their security over Tello's principal assets. As a result, we think that any security offered to exchange to refinance 2022 note holders will be second lien. As always, subscribers can find more information on all of the situations mentioned in this podcast, including legal and financial analysis of all of the new deals in the primary market on the website reorg.com. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another Reorg Europe podcast, but until then, stay safe and thank you very much for listening.